Hello, and welcome to another episode of Boundless Body Radio. I'm your host, Casey Ruff, and today we have another amazing guest to reintroduce to you today. Jen Stevens is a returning guest on our show. Be sure to check out her first appearance on episode 48 of Boundless Body Radio. Jen is the author of several best-selling books, including Fast, Feast, Repeat, which was an instant New York Times and USA Today bestseller, and Delay, Don't Deny, Living an Intermittent Fasting Lifestyle, an Amazon number one bestseller in the weight loss category. Jen has been living the intermittent fasting lifestyle since 2014. This lifestyle shift allowed her to lose over 80 pounds and launch her intermittent fasting website, Facebook support groups, four self-published books, and three top-ranked podcasts, Intermittent Fasting Stories, where Jen talks to a variety of intermittent fasters from around the world, the Intermittent Fasting Podcast with co-host Melanie Avalon, and Life Lessons with co-host Sherry Bullock. Today, we will be discussing her latest book, Cleanish, Eat Mostly Clean, Live Mainly Clean, and Unlock Your Body's Natural Ability to Self-Clean, written in 2022. Jen Stevens, what an absolute honor it is to welcome you back to Balanced Body Radio. Well, thank you. I'm so glad to be here. I actually wrote it in 2021, but it came out in 2022. <laughs> That's true. We did talk about that on our last um, on our last interview. I think we talked maybe in January of 2021, and you were just finishing some book, and this was the book that came out. I was writing it. If we talked in January, I was in the middle of it. I was not anywhere close to finished in January of 2021. <laughs> I was supposed to turn it in in March, and it got turned in in April, let's just say. Yeah. Well, the book writing process doesn't seem like a very easy or quick one. It's I've hard. heard from so many authors, like just to put out content is one thing, but the process of getting it to a paper book is completely different. It really, really is. It's absolutely all consuming. It's all you can think about and all you can do. And it's a lot of work. And I actually have learned since then that a lot of people have ghostwriters and I'm like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe it sounds cool if you say you have those. (laughs) That's great. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. Well, I also got the audiobook and I was really happy in the first few seconds to know that you were going to be the one um, narrating it, which I think is great. And a lot of authors say that is a really, really difficult part of the writing process is actually (laughs) narrating your own book. Is that true? It's very, very hard. How does it sound? It sounds great. You have such a great voice. Can I tell you a secret? Yes, please. I had COVID the whole time I recorded. (laughs) No way. (laughs) Yeah. I was supposed to go to Atlanta to record it. And then like two days before I was supposed to go, I had a little tickly nose and started getting a little fever. I'm like, no. Hmm. This is in the fall of 2021. Wow. And I'm like, I think I'll just take a test just to be sure. Maybe it's a cold. No, it was COVID. Oh, no. Well, especially like, well, that. the show must go on. So I did it. <laughs> wow. You did a great job. I would have never in a million years guessed. You sounded great. I'm glad <laughs> I had to take breaks. I had a great team. I had a, a director and an audio engineer on, we did it virtually from sitting right here in this chair and I would start to sound weird. They're like, all right, go take a steam break. And I would steam, <laughs> I'd get a pot of hot water and steam my face in it. <laughs> That's amazing. What a warrior. <laughs> well, I did it. That's amazing. <laughs> That's fantastic. Good for you. Um, I'm so excited to talk about your new book, which I have behind me. You sent me a copy, which I absolutely love. It is um, quite comprehensive, I have to say. And, you know, when I saw the title, I expected to read a lot about diet. And of course, you include diet in what you talk about, but there's so much more to this book than just diet. And so I would love to know, when did that kind of concept start to form in your mind of something that you wanted to talk about and you wanted to write about? Well, it really just became, it came out of a process that's been my life of cleaning things up, right? You know, um, as you mentioned, I lost over 80 pounds with intermittent fasting. And 
that certainly changed my life. And I've been maintaining that since 2015. So it's been like over seven years I've been at maintenance. But as a part of feeling so much better and feeling good in my body, I started to gravitate towards higher quality foods. And I realized the better I ate, the better I felt. And so that was, you know, the eating cleanish part that kind of developed, kind of developed over time. The more I learned, the more I realized why it mattered. You know, we all have heard of clean eating and we know that, you know, it's bad to use certain chemicals in our homes. We all kind of know that in the back of our mind, but it sounds really hard and expensive and like, we're not going to like it. So we just keep going, you know, pretending like, well, there's nothing wrong. It'll be fine. We'll be fine. You know, and I like to say that, you know, sometimes ignorance is bliss as we're going through life, not realizing what's in our foods and what's in our personal care products and our beauty products. But on the flip side of that, knowledge is power. And so when I, when I started to learn more about, you know, the power of real foods and the chemicals that are in so many of the things that we eat, it kind of also transferred over into other parts of my life. Well, like, well, what am I putting on my skin? You know, what's in my toothpaste? And the more I looked, the more I learned, I realized it really does matter. And it doesn't have, if you want to live your healthiest life, you know, with the best chance of living a long and healthy life and feeling good in your body, it really does matter what you put in your body. It matters how often you put it in. There's the fasting part. But it also matters what you put on your body or surround yourself with. And we're in a a world now that's very, very different from how it used to be 20 years, 30 years ago, 50 years ago, and so forth. But, you know, it doesn't have to be complicated or expensive. There are so many great options out there. And there really are things we can do that are easy to do and don't cost more. And these these products and these foods, the foods are better. They taste better. They're more delicious. You feel better after you eat them when you're eating real foods. And when you're using the products, you may find allergies that you thought you had, they go away because you're, you're lowering your toxic load. So it really just becomes, you know, it's like, it's, it's like a the snowball effect. You know, you change one thing, you feel better, you learn more, you change something else, you feel even better. And then the changes just build up until you look, your life looks completely different. So that's really what happened for me. Did I just talk in circles or did that no, make any sense? That, that was perfect. That was great. Um, it's so interesting. I do want to talk about, you know, some of the products and things that we use on our skin and inside our body. I wanted to kind of start with, with food and it's really interesting. I noticed more often than not, this becomes the catalyst. It almost seems like people start with food and that leads right. them to address other things in their lives and to clean up other things. But it can also lead to um, this kind of obsession, I guess I would say is like, I want to eat better, but then there's no end to me wanting to do better and better and better. And so now I'm, you know, obsessing about the foods that I'm eating in my, in my body. Everything has to be organic, grass fed, blah, 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 whatever. And that might not even be possible yet. It's almost like the stress of trying to eat perfectly clean is almost counteracting any benefit I might be getting from really good food. How do we know where to draw the line? Well, that's where the ish comes in and you draw the line where it it stops feeling comfortable and easy, right? We want to make changes that let us still enjoy our lives. You know, in, in the book Cleanish, I talk about, you know, seed oils, for example, all these modern seed oils that, that, you know, like canola and soy oil, corn oil, all these oils 
are really not good for our bodies. They're very, very inflammatory. So we would all do better to never have soy oil, for example, ever again in our lives. However, (laughs) you know, that would mean you could probably never eat at a restaurant again for the rest of your life. And that's not realistic. Um, I give the example in cleanish of mayonnaise. You know, I, I eat lots of things. Like I only buy organic butter, for example, but I use a lot of butter. So for me, if I'm going to use a lot of butter, then it needs to be the highest quality butter that I can find. That makes a difference for me. And, you know, organic butter isn't like less enjoyable than regular butter. It costs more. That's the only trade-off you have there with, with organic butter. So that that's an easy, easy switch to make. Now let's talk about mayonnaise. There's a brand of mayonnaise I could buy that doesn't have those harmful seed oils in it, but I just don't like it as much. <laughs> So I buy the kind that I grew up buying, Duke's mayonnaise. It's, I'm sure it's got GMO, GMO in there and soy and it's, it's inflammatory. But the thing is, I don't use a lot of mayonnaise. Like I use mayonnaise sometimes. Like, you know, if, I, if we have um, a grilled cheese sandwich, for example, I'm going to put a little mayonnaise on there. Or if I have an egg sandwich or if I have I pretty much only eat mayonnaise on, on something like that. It's very, a rare kind of a thing for me. So I use the mayonnaise that I like. I use Duke's mayonnaise. It tastes the best to me. I've tried the other one. I like Duke's more. So because I make the effort on the things that I'm using most of the time and the things where it really matters the most, it's okay that I've got standard mayonnaise in my refrigerator. That's the point about being cleanish. Yeah, I absolutely love that. What a great example. Um, and I have to say, like, I think we're going to throw a lot of brands under the bus in this conversation where we're going to lose a lot of potential sponsors, <laughs> but maybe Dukes will be willing to monetize this podcast and sponsor now that we've gave them a plug. Well, it's great. <laughs> I, I don't think I would let Duke sponsor me, even though they do make delicious mayonnaise. They great stuff. If they tried that. to sponsor me, I would have to say no. <laughs> Although that would be kind of funny. The mayonnaise that's so good, I don't care. No. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> well, you gave a great example, and I think of, in my personal life, I, you know, I give people definitely a pass when it comes to condiments because you're not going to eat that many of them. But one of the things that, that I am completely a thousand percent aligned with grass fed, grass finished, pasture raised. I want my meat to be the very absolute best quality. If I could meet farmers, I would do that, but I don't like the taste. I have such a tough time with the taste. I don't know if it's the plants around here or whatever. And so it's hard to ride that line of like, I believe in this so much but I know that if I do this, I actually will have a really tough time eating this food. I won't enjoy it. And so it's, you know, again, That's it's kind of tough. Yeah. So we all have I to decide. I used to not, not like the meat as much, but, but my tastes changed for that over time. So now I do prefer the meat, but it's, but it's funny that you said that. Cause I remember when I didn't like the taste as much, it is different. Yeah. Interesting. Maybe it's like organ meats where it's like acquired over time, or it could just be like here in Utah. Maybe the the animals have access to different plants than they do in a different part of the country. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Very interesting. Um, so as, as we're trying to decide how to eat cleanish when we do eat, Mm -hmm. I know that fasting is part of that. And maybe we could talk about that as well. Where should we start to focus as far as priorities? What things do we need to make that the most simple changes right off the bat that can be easy for anybody? That's a great question. And I do want to say this is not a fasting book, even though, you know, part the part that talks about, um, you know, unlock your body's natural ability to self-clean. Intermittent fasting is one little piece of that. So you do not have to be an intermittent faster, everybody who's listening to read this book. In fact, one of the reviews somebody told me about, I don't read the reviews, but they said the people were mad that it wasn't a fasting book. They're like, she didn't say it was a fasting it's book. supposed to be. <laughs> fasting is not on the cover of this book. Anyway. 
<laughs> I just wanted to point that out. So people who think they don't want to fast, that's all right. You don't have to to, to be cleanish. Um, so when you're when you're figuring out, you know, how to eat mostly clean, that's where you're going to be guided to create your own personal definition of what that means to eat mostly clean. And all throughout the book, I'm going to present information to you. For example, I'm going to talk about seed oils and then you're going to decide how much do you really want to avoid that? Like I would never cook with seed oils in my home, but I would eat a French fry at a restaurant. If you know, you, you just have to decide where you're going to draw the line. The, the key is you want to prioritize real food. You want to prioritize nutrients and you also have to stay within your budget. You know, I buy organic whenever it's feasible and reasonable but there may be a time that I'm at the store and they don't have the organic and I have to buy something conventional, some conventional produce, and it's all of a trade-off. So you have to just decide what fits your budget, what's available around you, even when it comes to like the meats you were just talking about. You know, not everything is going to be available everywhere that you may be shopping or that you may be at a given time. And so it's just you're living, you're eating mostly clean is about making the best choice in the moment that you can make based on the options that are there for you, but with no negative judgment. You know, if I put a little of that mayonnaise on my burger, I'm not, you know, my grass-fed, you know, artisan sourdough bread, whatever, I'm not like feeling guilty about that mayonnaise. Now, if I did feel guilty about it, I would buy the other brand that was, you know, didn't have the seed oils because you don't, you definitely don't want to feel guilty about what you're doing. You've just got to figure out what, you know, what is your hard line that you will never cross? For me, I do have some of those. Like I will never use artificial sweeteners ever. You know, we were just, we just celebrated Easter here. My family got together and um, I did a sour cream, I mean, um, a whipped cream faux pas. Apparently do not put whipped cream on the pie before you take it somewhere. <laughs> Yikes. I didn't know that. I was like, I'll save time. I'll do this now. Well, it had deflated oh, and no. got all in. Oh no. Anyway, I had made some peanut butter pie. It was amazing, but it looked terrible. So my dad said, We've got a can of whipped cream in the fridge. Let me get it for you. So he brought, I was like, perfect. So he brought it over and it was like, no sugar added. I'm like, uh oh. So I read the ingredients, it had artificial sweeteners in it. I'm like, I'm not going to put this on the pie. It's fine the way it is. That's a hard line for me for two reasons. Number one, I know that there are no benefits to having the artificial sweeteners. Number two, they're also can be harmful to our gut microbiomes. So nothing good. Also could do some bad things. And I don't like it. Yeah, perfect. I don't like the way it tastes. It would have ruined the pie. So for me, it's a very easy, I'm not going to cross that line because I don't like it. There's no reason to use it. So there are things like that in my life that like I will not cook with canola oil at home. As I said, there are certain things like that. that but those are that's my personal you know, what, what I've decided. So the whole point of the book is to empower the reader to read the information and think, where can I make the changes that it will not impact my life in a negative way? But every little change that you make is positive for your body. Yeah, And that's really, really important. 
Wow. I love that. I love that you use the word empowering. That was exactly what I was mm-hmm. thinking of when you're, especially in the first part of the book, is you're reading some of these things. It's almost like horrific and almost overwhelming, but like all of these things are killing us yeah. all the time. But it's like, you can also just think critically about where am I getting the most of these things? Which mm-hmm. ones are the worst for you? And I agree like artificial sweeteners for me, same, like I, it's just not even worth, you know, trying Easter candy or Halloween candy because it tastes like garbage anyway. Oh and, yeah. And it, like, it, it's, it's not, it's, it's so bad for me that I, I don't want to go down that path. Same with seed oils. Like you said, like, I don't care if soy oil and canola oil tells me it's heart healthy. I am absolutely not putting that garbage in my body at all. But then I right. know that I can make other, you know, sessions along the way and say, okay, maybe having this some of the time is not that bad. Right. And, and it really is. And you, your body starts to let you know, um, you know, there's, there's a concept I first learned about years ago when my son was dealing with um, food sensitivities and environmental allergies, and it's called the bucket effect. And I talk about this in cleanish and basically if we think of our bodies as like, you know, a bucket of, of what we can tolerate and the, the bucket fills up with toxins that your body has to process allergens, all sorts of things, chemicals that come into your body and your body can handle, you know, whatever fits in your bucket. But when you overflow that bucket, when more comes in than your body can manage, it's overflowing. And that's when you start having issues. That's when you start having the symptoms. For my son, it was behavioral. He had behavioral responses to the things that made his bucket overflow. So as long as we kept the low level of his bucket down through what he ate and what we exposed him to around our house made a huge difference. So the same for us. You know, if I go out of town on a vacation and I'm eating at restaurants for every meal because I'm not at home, I start to feel inflamed or puffy. My body lets me know. And so the same at home, you know, if I start to gravitate towards, you know, even organic foods can be ultra processed, you know, the snack foods and even organic snacks can have, you know, the seed oils in there that might be organic seed oils, but you know, I can, I start to feel puffy and not my best. And I'm like, you know what? I've been putting more in than I should have. And you know, the same with the things in your environment. You know, if you're in a car and with someone and they have like air fresheners in there. I took a trip with my sister a few months ago and in her car. I will never ride a long way. I love my sister, but never will I ride on a trip in her car ever again. She had one of those hanging air fresheners, you know, and I started to get a headache after five minutes. And I was like, oh no, I should have driven. And my head started to hurt and I started to feel worse and worse. The whole time we were in the car, I felt terrible. And I got home and I, the whole day and I still felt awful. And I was like, I can't believe you can stand this. She's like, I don't even notice it. Totally. But I certainly started to notice it, but it makes me wonder, you know, how much better would she feel if she got that out of her environment? She doesn't even notice it. It's when you get the things out, then you notice if they start coming back in, you don't feel your best. So your body really does let you know when, when you're, when you're feeling better and better and better over time, that's a sign you're doing something great for your body. And then if you start to feel worse again, you're like, all right, what has slipped back in? What's happening here? Yeah, that's a really great point. It, that's a great example, too, of something that most of us spent the entire like 80s and 90s being around all the time, and none of us really noticed. But you're right. When you get more healthy, you are more sensitive to things. I, recently, mm-hmm. somebody turned on a microwave near me. I never use a microwave. I only use cast iron or you know some other, you know, like an air fryer. Somebody turned on a microwave, and it felt like my brain was getting cooked. It was like such a weird thing. Oh, wow. I, I, you know, I used a microwave <laughs> for everything 
my entire life. And for whatever reason, it just didn't, didn't feel great to have on. And I believe that's part of that sensitivity. Well, energy, you know, everything is made of energy. My husband is a, a chemist. He has a PhD in medicinal chemistry. And at the molecular level, we're, we're all energy. So yeah, totally, that energy of that microwave is just not not great not for doing me. well with you. <laughs> not great for me. Um, before we leave yeah. the food and talk about some of the, the, the products that we use um, for cleaning and self-care, I do want to talk to you specifically about fasting since you are a fasting okay. expert. And I know that's a small part of your book, but it is still a part. And I think most of us can think of fasting as being beneficial because it means that there's less time that we have in the day that we can be eating crappy food. If for nothing else, it just limits the amount of times that you can do that because you can't do that if you're limiting the amount of time that you eat. But there's also some special things about fasting for other reasons that make it really beneficial as something that can help us clear toxins and be all kinds of, yeah. uh, do, do so many good things for us for health. Can you uh, talk about some of those? Yeah. And think about this. I like, uh, there's an analogy about like you're having a party at your house and the party is going on from sun up to sundown every single day. The party goes on. New people keep coming in all day long to your house, right? Party, party, party. Every time the sun comes up, more people come in. Think about how dirty your house would get. It would get trashed yeah. from this constant party that was going on all the waking hours. So you would need, how would you clean your house? Well, everybody would just need to go home. Once they go home, then you're like, okay. You're looking around, you're like, well, now I have time to clean up because everybody's gone. I can clean up. So just like you don't want to have a party every day or your house would be destroyed, we kind of do that in the modern world when you start eating first thing in the morning and you eat, snack, eat, snack all day long, and then you go to bed, then you wake up the next day and you do it over again. You know, your body needs time for self-cleaning and for repair. And the, the modern food landscape of eating from sunup to sundown and then beyond even every single day does not give your body the time. You know, the little eight hours that we're sleeping is not enough for your body to do all the cleaning that it needs to do. And so that is why fasting is so great. Um, back in 2016, you know, I'd already been doing intermittent fasting. I'd already lost the weight I needed to lose. But all of us, and we all thought of intermittent fasting at that point as just a way to eat less and it was a great way to lose weight. That's pretty much all we knew. Then suddenly in 2016, the Nobel Prize for Medicine was awarded to a researcher who was studying autophagy. And we were like, what is that? We'd never heard of that before. I guess unless you were a researcher, you hadn't. You know, a high-level biologist had heard of it, but most of us had not. Well, it turns out that we need to have a certain amount of autophagy going on in our bodies, and that is our body's self-cleaning mechanism. It's where our body, you know, get down at the cellular level, is recycling old proteins and cleaning up junky cell parts. And there, there are several things that promote increased autophagy, exercise, coffee, polyphenols, which are chemicals in, in, um, in plant foods, but fasting also increases autophagy. So suddenly we were all very excited because we were like, hey, while we're not eating, our body is doing cellular housekeeping. And that was a very exciting thing to think about. It gave us more reason to really embrace the fast for more than just, here's the time when you're not eating. It's like, oh, here's the time where some really important things are, are going on in my body. That's where your body can do the cleaning that it needs to do. And we know that as we age, autophagy becomes downregulated in our bodies. So as we get older, we want to 
you know, we want to live longer. We want to be healthier. We want to have increased autophagy. So the things that we can do to promote it, again, intermittent fasting and also exercise, you know, eating plant foods, those sorts of things, you know, that'll, that'll keep us going a lot longer. Yeah, that's great. That's such a great analogy and a great way to think about that. It also reminds me why I don't uh, host parties in my house. <laughs> it's an absolute mess. Um, but yeah, no, that's a great way to think of things. It's just enabling your body to do the self-cleaning and self-repair and, and cellular recycling that we need. And for the listener, look it up. It's absolutely amazing. You'll hear some incredible stories out there. Autophagy is how you spell it. Literally means eating yourself. Um, and it's right. such an amazing concept. So cool. I absolutely love that aspect of fasting. Um, and I was fortunate enough to come across a work of Nadine Artemis uh, several years ago. She was a um, she's the author of Renegade Beauty. She um, was featured on the Go uh, Rewild Yourself podcast, which is the first time I'd ever heard okay. of her. And she was, you know, at the time, this is 2014, 2015, she's talking about how important sunlight is and how sunscreen isn't that great for you and you don't need to shower all the time and promoted washing your pits and bits and not really washing your hair very frequently. And I was like, this, this lady's insane. Like, no... <laughs> No chance that this is a good idea at all. And even the book, you know, recently is probably two or three years ago that James Hamlin wrote the, the book Clean, where he talked about the industry and how that came about and all these different products that are pitched to us to help keep us clean. Can you tell us a little bit about how all of this started, this idea that we need to lather ourselves several times a day and, and, and you know, sanitize our hands several times a day and all these showers and baths and all this stuff. It, it, it's really an interesting concept that we've grown up around and we we're, we're so far removed from thinking that we don't maybe need to do that all the time. Well, it's really true. And, you know, I, I think back to um, a study that I heard about, I mean, a long time ago, and it was like something about how kids who grew up in a house with pets had fewer illnesses and asthma and allergies versus kids who didn't. And so that's like correlational. You're like, well, why is that? Well, the theory can be they're down there with the pets. They're kissing the pets. They're getting the germs from the pets. I mean, we, we do not need to be sterile. <laughs> we shouldn't be sterile. And that's, you know, the, you know, um, we want to go out and play in the dirt because we get things from the dirt, walk in the dirt. Um, so the whole idea that we needed to kill all the germs is a modern day kind of a thing. I mean, there are definitely times you want to kill the germs. You know, if someone's doing surgery on your body, you would like for them to keep the sterile surgical feel. That's important. But it turns out that, you know, we don't want to have a sterile digestive tract because we need the gut microbiome. Those, those you know, gut bacteria that live there. And it's not just bacteria that are part of the microbiome. You know, we have all sorts of things living in there that work symbiotically together. I learned something recently um, about our, our oral microbiome, our mouths. You know, I thought we wanted to kill the germs in our mouth. No, <laughs> turns out to have a healthy oral um, microbiome. We don't want to kill the healthy bacteria that live in our mouths. So even now talking cleanish about the um, the mouthwash that I was using, that was the one my grandmother used. Now stopped using that one because it kills the germs. I'm like, well, I don't want to kill the germs. <laughs> <laughs> so you see, I'm always still learning, but you know, it's a continuum. And when you realize that you don't want to kill everything that's alive, then it, it changes your approach. You know, I don't use hand sanitizer ever. Yeah, ever. I wash my hands with a very simple soap. And I just use water and a, a very simple, very clean soap that I have there. And, and that's it. 
Yeah, that's great. I totally agree. I think a simple surfactant can do so much for us and it's just such a simple product and there's so much marketing that goes into all these things and thinking we need so so many things to keep our skin healthy and safe. Like again, once you stop and think about it, it really doesn't make any sense. But what were some of the more egregious things that you ran into, especially with skincare and and self-cleaning products, quote unquote, what were some of the ingredients that kept popping up that like you either thought were completely unnecessary or just marketed to us as something we absolutely needed? Well, just in general, labeling is just a minefield. And it's basically, there. there's some buzzwords that you'll see on labels. Like, for example, fragrance. That could be literally anything because they don't have to tell you. The labeling laws and transparency on product labels, it's, it's just when you start looking into it and really understanding how unregulated these, these beauty products and our or household products really, really are, it's astonishing. The more you dig in, you like honestly get to the point where you're like, everything is just going to kill me. <laughs> but in reality, it does add up. You know, we're, we're kind of living in like a chemical soup that we've never lived in before. So many of these chemicals, they'll study them, you know, one little at a time. They'll study one at a time and the small little amounts, they're like, look, it's fine. But we're not living in a one at a time kind of environment anymore. You know, if you if you look at how many personal care products you used, I can't remember the average of, of whatever it is in a day. I have it in cleanish, the number, whatever it is. You know, this is the average number of products a personal uses on their body in a day. I thought I was a pretty simple person. I use like way more than that, you know, from wow. the time that you brush your teeth and wash your face and hair, shampoo, conditioner, body wash, you know, your foundation, everything that we're putting on our bodies, deodorant, so many things. And so it's all just adding up all day long. And I remember someone saying, yeah, but if you're putting it on your skin, that doesn't matter. That That's not important. And they, they like were arguing with me that that got into your body. I'm like, you know, it gets into your body because when you look at people who are taking transdermal medications, like for example, the nicotine patch, they put that nicotine patch on their skin and it goes through the skin and gets absorbed into the bloodstream and goes all over the body. Um, the same is true with like, you know, hormonal birth control patches. Everyone understands that those work. And so it's because our skin, it goes both ways. Things go out, things go in. It's basically like, like a door into our bodies. And so anything you're putting on your skin is going throughout your body. And so if it's not something you would feel comfortable eating, you really probably don't want to put it on your skin either. And that might sound crazy, but it's true. So you want to look, and that doesn't mean that your skincare products are going to taste delicious, but <laughs> I don't want you to eat them. <laughs> but if they're, <laughs> if they're, you know, so poisonous that if you ingested them, you'd have to go to the poison control center. You don't want it on your skin either. Yeah, that's a really great point. I do want to talk specifically about showering itself. I, this is mm-hmm. very, very high level, just general, but what, what ways can we be thinking about how frequently we should be showering and what that process should look like? Do we need to be showering daily, twice daily, three times daily? Okay, now see, I'm a daily lather? showerer okay. because I just like to. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, that's a great example. A lot of people do it because they really enjoy it and they are- I feel better yeah. when I take a shower every day and my hair, um, you can see my hair, my hair hair needs to be washed every day. And I know the people who are like, no, it doesn't. If you stopped, you would see, I like to wash my hair every day. (laughs) I just feel better. So, you know, but I'm using, you know, clean 
products in the in the shower. I have a there's a brand that I I prefer that I like, and I know that they've done all the work for me, and so they have a list of things they would never allow on their products. So I just buy their products. They work for me: the shampoo, the conditioner, I wash my face, and my the body wash. I'm good to go. So, you know, I'm not trying to kill all the germs off my body. I'm just cleaning off. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> but then, you know, there may be someone else who, who, again, they're like, you know, I don't want to wash my hair that often. And, and it's just really a good personal choice in your definition of what, what would feel right to you. Gotcha. Um, besides buying your book, which you make a ton of really practical suggestions, and I'd recommend anybody grab your book because it is very informational. It's very practical, like I said. Um, how do people know which products are better for them and which products are worse for them? That's a great question. And I, I walk you through it in Cleanish. At the end of every chapter, there is a point for the, the reader to um, to take action, also to reflect. So you you spend part of the time reflecting, like you're, you're actually going to go to your pantry and look what's in there. And you're going to go to your bathroom cabinets and look what's in there. So this is not the kind of book you sit down and start on page one and you read the whole thing and they're like, all right, I read that. I, did, I can do it. No. At the end of each chapter, like this is the kind of book that really you should work your way through in months. Like to this month, I'm focusing on this and and piece by piece by piece. And in the book, I give you some resources for where you can go. There's a lot of them out there. Um, resources to go and check your products. For example, the Environmental Working Group is a great organization and they, they do the research for you. And you can use their app and you can look things up and you can find the ratings for different products. That's how I, you know, found the... Um, the mouthwash that I talked about in Cleanish because it was one that was rated higher. I just went to the category, started searching, and it was a highly rated option. So I'm like, all right, I, I recognize this brand. I'm going to buy it. And um, so it's really easy to do. There's also an app that I didn't know about when I wrote the book. A friend of mine told me about it. It's called Switch Natural. She doesn't know me. I don't know her, but it's a really great app. If I had known about it when I wrote Cleanish, I would have um, put it in the book, but you have to pay for it. The EWG app, environmental working group app is free but the switch natural app it lets you take a photo of an ingredients label and then it like tells you what what's in there like what what's hazardous and what is not so i love that app switch natural again is the name of it and she didn't know me i don't know her i'm not making any money from suggesting it it's just a great resource wow, for checking awesome. your products because so many of the products we're i talk about this in cleanish a good bit we're victims of something called greenwashing. And it happens in the food industry, but also in the cleaning products and our personal care products, because you realize they use buzzwords on the labels that make you think their products are safe and natural, but really they're not. And when I really started digging in, like I, I would have sworn to you that I was doing a good job. You know, I, I was buying better options and doing a good job. And then I started looking them up. Like for example, the the hand soap that I used to have by my kitchen sink, I actually, it was dishwashing liquid because I wash my hands in dishwashing liquid. I use them for the same thing. But I was like, you know, this is a good brand. It's a, one of those brands. It's cleaner and safer. So then I looked it up in the app. It had a very, very bad ranking. I was shocked. In fact, when I compared it to that blue dishwashing detergent that so many people use, you know, they use when the oil spills on the animals, that one rated higher than the one I'd been buying. Wow. Blue Dawn yep. rated higher than the one that I thought was a natural, better choice wow. because of the greenwashing. And I was shocked. 
So I, I made a switch to a different different brand completely that rates really, really high, better than the blue one. <laughs> <laughs> but my friend who was using the blue one was doing better than me. And I thought I was doing a good job. And that's greenwashing. And, you know, you'll see it everywhere once you get in tune with it. You know, you'll start reading labels and they make things seem so fresh and natural. And then they're not. Yeah, that's a really, really great point. I have loved that app. I use the one that you suggested, the EWG app. And to mm -hmm. be able to like walk around and type in things, I did the same thing. Like I thought I was doing okay with some of this stuff. I've been aware of this for a while. And, you know, we buy a certain kind of hand soap that we keep in our bathrooms and whatever. And lo and behold, wasn't the greatest. Like I know that some of like the, the fabric softeners I use are, you know, they're just not going to be great. Um, yeah, I know some of our dishwashing, you know, chemicals and things we use for that are not going to be great, but I was really surprised that some of the stuff that I yeah. choose to put on my skin did not rate that well, even though it's marketed that way. It was shocking. Yeah. I bet it was the same brand. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Probably. We can throw all of them under the bus. I don't even care. I think that's yeah. great. <laughs> um, when somebody is, you know, shifting from going from the things that they're putting on their body to the things that they're using in their home environment, especially, where are we going to see the most egregious things there? I mean, I remember hearing... And, you know, this is probably 15 years ago, and I don't doubt that it's still true today. I remember hearing that using, um, you know, air fresheners or um, like things like Febreze is pretty much the most toxic thing that you can probably Terrible. spare around. It is still yes. awful. Okay. You don't need anything, any of those fragrances at all. You know, clean has no smell technically. But I mean, if you like to have a scent, then you need to get that through essential oils. You know, you can, you can use essential oils and maybe, you know, I would still research those just to make sure, you know, because actually I found out some oils are not good for pets. You know, that they're, they're not good at all around cats, for example. So you still need to be careful, even though essential oil is natural, be careful with it. But if I want a scent, like I actually put organic peppermint oil in a little jar with water and I'll go around and I'll spray it around the house and it smells amazing. You know, and, and it's it's fine. But any of those things that you plug in with air fresheners or the one dangling in your car, anything with those added fragrance fragrances, you know, like maybe the laundry detergent your mom used and it smells a certain way and you think your clothes need to smell that way, that's actually really, really bad for us. So you really want to go to the things that are are not having the added sense. Yeah. So the fragrance. And then you'll feel so much better. Like you're like, I completely no longer have seasonal allergies. Wow. That's yeah. impressive. Yeah. That's amazing. And a lot of that is coming from the fragrance itself could be all kinds of different chemicals that we don't even. Well, so many things, it, it all adds to your bucket, right? Yeah. You know, think about that bucket. It comes into our bodies in all the different ways. And there, there's really no benefit to having those things. I mean, if it's, if it's covering up a really bad smell in your house, I would focus on why does my house smell bad and try to get rid of that. It's the teenagers. Get the teenagers out. Well, okay, that's true. But do not buy your teenagers all that body spray stuff. <laughs> there you go. That's but, funny. But, you know, it's, it's just a matter of things like baking soda. If you've got a rug that smells bad, put some baking soda on it and let it soak in. Or, you know, let it settle, you know, kind of rub it in there. It'll absorb the odors. Yeah. Completely non-toxic. Yep. So many there of those are, products. There are, yeah, there are, there are things that you can do. And it's not expensive. I guarantee that baking soda is cheaper than whatever you've been buying that is not what you want. Buy the cheapest baking soda and it'll work. And so, again, it doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to be expensive. There are things that you can do that work better 
than what you've been doing and they're safe. You could lick the carpet. I wouldn't, but you could. (laughs) Good to know. (laughs) Yeah, that's so interesting. Is there a difference in how we should think about products that are going to come in contact with our body? Like say the fabric softener, the, the hand soaps, those kinds of things versus maybe something that we may or may not ever contact besides whatever's coming up from, you know, the order of, of the cleaning solution, but maybe say like something that you're going to use to clean your countertop. Is, is there a difference that we should look at each one of those things and say that, yeah, whatever we're going to put on in our clothes is going to be more important to look at versus something where a plate might sit on? When it, when it comes to this, though, it's just so easy to make a change. You know, you don't have to choose either or. It's just like you 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 just can find something that is very safe for all of those scenarios, like cleaning your cabinets and cleaning your shower. There are things that are very, very safe and not expensive. So you don't have to say, well, my counter cleaner's pretty dangerous, but I'm not touching it. I'm wearing gloves. You don't need to even have a dangerous counter cleaner. Get a safe one. It's so easy to do. And you're right, though, about laundry. Laundry's touching you all the time. The smell is with you all the time. Yeah, I went to a friend's house a couple months ago and, and stayed with her. And I, I came home and I'm like to my husband, I'm like, smell my shirt. Because you know, you know, the, the fabric softener smell was like with me. And, and it didn't smell good. I mean, <laughs> I wasn't happy about that. But, you know, you just get used to it in your environment until it's gone. And then you really, really notice it. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, it seems like something that would accumulate, especially if you spent a lot of time mm-hmm. there. Um, now, yeah. I, I kind of look at this the way that you do, where there's kind of two sides of this coin. There's We want to reduce the overall toxic load, but we also can do things like fasting and eating clean and all these other things that will help us get rid of the toxins ourselves. So in that bucket scenario, we're putting less water in the bucket, but we're also figuring out yes. how to get water out of the bucket so we can, you know, withstand more toxins if we have to go and visit friends for a few days or we have to go on vacation and not eat our ideal diet. What are some of the things that we can do to our own bodies to help enable us to deal with toxins much better? That is a great question. I'm glad you went there because that's the part of the book that talks about unlock your body's natural ability to self-clean because our bodies are great at detoxing. And we've got organs that do that for us, our liver, our kidneys, our skin. You know, our our bodies are are great at detoxing our lymphatic system. But the problem is they're overworked and there's too much coming in. So they lose the ability to do it very well because too much is coming in. So slowing the amount coming in is very, very important, but we can also support them as they do their work to take the toxins out. And one great way is also with what we're putting in real food. Because real food contains chemicals in it, the phytochemicals, the vitamins, the minerals that actually work with our body's self-cleaning mechanisms. They work with our liver. Like our liver can't do its job without certain nutrients that it has to have to do the detoxing. So it really is as simple as put less in and then your body won't have as much to clear out and put in real food because the real food actually helps your body do the work it's supposed to do. Fasting also helps with that. There are other things you can do like using a sauna, exercise, um, grounding, which is you walking on the earth and letting your body have its natural, you know, discharge. That sounds very woo woo, but it's true. You know, it's very anti-inflammatory for your body. It's why we all 
love to walk on the beach. It's doing something for us. We didn't even know. <laughs> but, you know, all the things that you can do to help your body, you know, to support your body as it does the work that it's, it's meant to do. You don't have to do a special detox or drink a special tea or do anything like that or pay somebody a lot of money. You just put in real food and um, don't put things into your bucket whenever you can. Yeah, gotcha. Okay, that's a perfect segue into what I was going to ask you next. Um, the company I used to work for produced a uh, detox program thing that you had to buy, and it included supplements. It included um, fiber as one of the supplements, and the amount that somebody yeah. had to take would just blow up people's guts. It was horrible. <laughs> um, but we would tell people, like, you need to buy this every six months to help your body detoxify, and it was a complete, like, elimination. You had to use these meal replacement shakes, and for sure, the company made a lot of money when we sold those. Do you support oh, yeah. or think that people need to buy detoxification products, um, or is that just a bunch of, of hogwash and a great well, way to make money? Let's let's just think that for thousands of years, the human body was unable to detox until people came up with these magical solutions to sell you. Everybody knows that. Yeah. Does that make any sense? <laughs> Uh, if someone's trying to sell you something, then you can pretty much be sure you don't need that thing because that <laughs> they're just trying to sell it to you to make money that, you know, all these things are free that your body can do it. Obviously fiber is important, but you get that from real food and there's lots of different kinds of fiber in the foods that you're eating. So if you're just taking fiber supplements, that's, you know, you're getting like this version of it versus eat some beans, have some vegetables, <laughs> you know, have some whole wheat. Your body knows what to do with that. And it also feeds your gut microbiome really, really well. You know, you, you want to have a gut microbiome that you can break these things down for you because it, it also, they release certain chemicals that can either be harmful or helpful to you, depending on what you're feeding them. You know, if you're eating the standard American diet, you're feeding the bad gut bacteria. They will proliferate. And they release a lot of chemicals that lead to inflammation, weight gain, not feeling well, versus if you put in the kind of foods that feed the bacteria we want to have in there, you're not needing to take a fiber supplement because you're eating the real foods that feeds your gut well. And then your gut releases the chemicals that are beneficial for you. So we, we really work together along with the guys that live in our gut. Yeah, that's such a great point. I'm struggling to recall on the cave paintings from ancient times, like somebody using the celery juicer. I, I don't recall ever right. saying yeah. that. Um, <laughs> so we must have had some way to detoxify. I will yeah. say that the best thing that that detox kit that we would sell people, the best thing I ever got out of that was it was a great opportunity for a coworker um, um, white elephant gift where I, I relabeled <laughs> it into a retox kit and threw like <laughs> gas station nachos and some Swisher sweets and a really cheap bottle of whiskey in there and like great ways to like retox detoxify the body. And that, that was good for a that's few laughs. Funny. And that was about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's great. So again, we, we kind of already asked this and you've already kind of alluded to this. There is a certain style of your book and a certain way that you want people to go through your book and understand this and approach this. But, but for somebody who's maybe feeling a little bit overwhelmed, what are some of the ways that they can just get started and keep things really easy? You know, just take it slow, get the environmental working group app and look at the things you use the most. And again, as I said before, ignorance may be bliss, but knowledge is power. And when you start to realize that some of the things you've been using are not good for you at all, you can start to throw up your hands and say, forget it. It's too much. I can't do it. 
But for every one switch that you make, that's a positive switch. And so instead of feeling overwhelmed, because we can't live in a bubble and we're not going to be perfect, you're going to make the changes that you can make when you can make them. And and that's it. You know, when you know better, you do better. Um, And so the more you learn, the more changes you'll be inspired to make. And then you'll just start to feel better. And and it's, again, you know, we can't like... Like, here's what happens after 30 days. You know, there's no like big headline like that. It's it's not like that. But the first time you go somewhere and you have the experience, like I had in my sister's car and you're around fragrance and you're like, man, I feel awful. Then you'll realize how much better you're feeling in contrast. Like, I don't know that I used to realize how bad I felt all the time until now. I only feel like that very rarely. And so it's, it's a much bigger contrast. So I, th- I think I just moved through life feeling awful all the time. But as you start making these changes, you'll feel better and you'll you'll have these experiences that remind you of, of why you want to keep moving forward. But it really is, like I said, it's a process. Don't expect that you're going to make all these changes. Don't expect that you're going to be perfect. Perfection is not required. That's where the ish comes in. Yeah, I absolutely love that. That's such a great way to say that. And I agree with you 100%. I think most people are so used to our current lifestyles that they have no Mm -hmm. idea how they could be feeling. And everything that's just kind of average for everybody is absolutely not normal. And if people took some of those steps, they would start to understand like, oh, I don't have to have brain fog. I don't have to get Mm -hmm. starving at three in the afternoon. I don't need to eat breakfast every single day and have all the energy I need. I think that's a really good point. Um, Tell us a little bit about the importance of journaling through the book. I hate writing in books. Um, and your book especially is just so beautiful, but there is, it is important to jot things down. And and there's something about the process of actually writing, putting pen to paper that makes it feel like something is coming out of me that I wasn't even maybe thinking. And the pen is moving into words that I was like, holy smokes. Like I didn't even think I thought that way. And clearly I do. Why is that so important to you? And why did you want to include that in the book? It is really powerful. And if you don't want to write in the book, you can get a free download at jenstevens.com slash cleanish. You can get all the pages and print them out. There they are. (laughs) But, you know, there's, you know, I was a teacher for 28 years and we learn in in many ways, but the, the tactile writing actually is part of the learning process for many of us. So you learn more. If, if all you do is see it, or if all you do is hear it, that's not enough. You need to experience it the, the, in all the different ways. So if you're reading something and listening to it and doing some writing about it, then you're really going to really get that into your into your brain. You know, journaling is a powerful way to make you slow down and work with the content as well, because you have to process it. You know, if all you do is sit down, as I said, and read it from page one to page 400 and whatever, it's just just coming in at you piece by piece, and it's just too much information for you to even do anything with it. So part of the learning process is, um, we call it rehearsing, or you're summarizing, you're cementing it into your thinking, and that's when you're you're at, you're working with it. So when you sit down and you're journaling about it, you're thinking about what you just learned in the book that you read or what you heard. And you're actually engaging with it. And it's the process of engaging with it that puts it more into your long-term memory. You're going to remember it. You're going to be more likely to act on it. So it's a very, very important part of the process that I don't want people to skip. Yeah. Because it does feel like work. But 
you know, I, I said this at the very beginning of the book about, you know, how to use this book. And change doesn't happen from the reading of the book. Change happens from the doing. And so you're going to have to do some things in order to make the real changes. Yeah, that's a great point. And I, I totally agree. It's the reason why I can dictate something really quickly in my phone. And then a few minutes later, probably forget what I said. Yet I still keep mm-hmm. a handwritten to-do list every single week and cross things out manually. And I can pretty much remember those things because of the act of writing. And it does help yeah. sink in that learning. So I, I do really appreciate that. Your book's been out for a little while, long enough um, to have some really cool success stories. I'm wondering if you have like one or two success stories that kind of come to mind um, as some of your favorites since putting out this book. Well, it's not so much that there's like, you know, success stories, because again, it's a process and it's not one of those things like with intermittent fasting, you know, someone could be like, I started fasting and then I lost 80 pounds. It's very easy to put those things together. But with, with the process of cleanish, it's not quite so, you know, cut and dried. And, you know, we were here in April. No, it's May now. It's May. I can't believe it. So the book has only been out for five months now. And so in my community, people are talking about the changes that, that they're experiencing and just, you know, like they, maybe they'll have, you know, like I said, like allergies are, are getting better or perhaps a skin condition that they had and they noticed that it's getting better. Things like that, that just in general, people feel better. Or they notice, like I said, you're, you're not using the fragrances anymore. And then you're around them and you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. The main thing that I'm hearing from people is how it felt intimidating, but it hasn't been once they actually get into it. It's not as hard. It's not as intimidating. It's not as expensive as they thought it would be. Like, for example, the cleaning products I use now are less expensive than the ones I used to use because I buy a concentrate that I have to order. So I always have one, you know, spare when I start to get low on one, I order another one. But I, I mix my own cleaning products using the concentrate. And it's actually cheaper than when I was buying all those bottles at the, the, you know, the store. I have to be a little prepared because I have to know when I'm running out, but it's easy to do that. And, um, you know, instead of buying mostly water, which is what's in those products at the grocery store, I'm adding my own water to a little bit of the concentrate and making, and I can add some essential oils in there and have, you know, the peppermint scent in the kitchen or tea tree oil for the bathroom and it is less expensive than what I was doing before. And it's safer. Yeah. That is just totally something that they don't want you to know. And it's so true. Right. You know, white vinegar, or even if you're just using mm-hmm. Blue Dawn, you know, I use that on bikes all the time and it cleans them amazing. Like there's there's products that are simple that you can use that are better than others. And it just takes that little bit of time and work to be able to find out what those things are. But you're right. The reward is that you actually feel better. So it's totally worth going through that process, right. which I absolutely love. Um, that's fantastic. Is there anything else you're working on for the future now that this book is out and done? Are you going to, you know, continue talking about this um, and, and, you know, continue writing about this? You've written a lot about fasting. Are you going to maybe put something out about fasting? Is there anything you're working on for the future? Well, I am working on some other things. I can't really share them yet because we're not, we're not, my editor and I are still discussing the the, the final products. There will be some more books. I'm not going to write any more books about how to do fasting. (laughs) because <laughs> I've already written one that I think You've says it all. That. You've covered that. I've covered that. I do in the future want to have a revised version of Delay Don't Deny. That one is self-published and it's been out since um, since 2016. And it's time for that one to have a little bit of revision. So 
I have one more project in between. And then after that, I think we'll, we'll have a delay, don't deny revision. It's, it's definitely time for that. But I'll, I would like that one to be traditionally published as well. So we'll see what happens there. But we need to update success stories in there and a little bit of the little tweaking of the wording that I've, you know, evolved from since 2016. But I'm definitely not going anywhere. You know, my Intermittent Fasting Stories podcast is now coming out twice a week. I have left the intermittent fasting podcast. So that's, um, I have to get that out of my bio because I'm no longer doing that podcast with Melanie Avalon, but um, there's a new co-host replacing me. So. Gotcha. gotcha. Well, that's great. We'll look forward to any of your content coming out. You have a really great writing style and make it really easy Thank to understand. You. And I do appreciate looking at both of those books kind of differently. Like the one is still so true and you did, you know, an amazing job writing it and that maybe doesn't need to be revised, but also that you can have some wiggle room and you maybe evolved your thinking about a few things. It's nice to, to nail it from the beginning and be right about so many things, but also, you know, not so much that you can't go back and, and refresh the understanding or present things yep. in a different way based on our current understanding. And Fast Feast Repeat is still like, when I wrote Fast Feast Repeat, it came out in 2020. And I wrote that one for long term, you know, knowing what I always, already wanted to go back and change about Delay Don't Deny that was four years old at that point. But um, Fast Feast Repeat, there's nothing I would change right yet. <laughs> that one's still good to go. But, you know, we, we do learn new things and evolve over time. And that's, that's important to um, to keep in mind. Yeah, I totally love that. I do want to ask you one last question about um, a line that you have pretty early in the book. If I'm not mistaken, it was in the introduction, which the introduction of the book is fantastic. You really deep dive into your personal story, which I <laughs> thought I you know knew at least most of you know your story with all of this stuff, but you really went quite in depth uh, with that, which is I think is great. But one of the quotes that you put early in the book it says, "If you don't make time for your wellness, you'll be forced to make time for your illness." I am totally yeah. stealing that. I've heard different iterations of that said over the last mm -hmm. few years, but that version I think makes the most sense. Can you tell us what you mean when you say that? Well, I didn't make that up. That's a quote that I got somewhere, um, but it's true. You know, we, we're going to have to invest in being well, and it takes some effort in this modern world because it is so much easier to drive through, open a package, buy the cheap cleaning products, buy the, the cheap shampoo. It's easier to do that. And we could go through life living that way. And then over time, we're just going to realize you're not feeling your best. And oh, it's just a normal part of aging. But I don't, I don't agree that we need to just gradually get sicker and sicker and sicker as we age. I feel better right now. I'm 52. I feel better at 52 than I did in my 30s. And it's because I'm taking better care of myself in my 50s than I, I did in my 30s. And I expect to feel great into my 60s and into my 70s. And, you know, um, you can invest in, you know, the organic butter that's going to cost more now, or you can invest in medications that you might need later. I mean, I'm not going to say that organic butter is going to keep you from taking medications, but you get my point, right? <laughs> it's not quite that cause and effect, um, but it, it adds up all the choices that we make add up now. And, you know, it's one reason I think that the, these industries have been able to get away with it is because it's not a direct cause and effect. If every time you used, you know, whatever it was, the spray, you immediately got cancer. I mean, you know, you'd be like, well, that's right. And you, you would be cause and effect are very close together when a cause and effect are close together. 
you see the connection. But unfortunately, the cause and effect for all of these chemicals, they're not close together. You know, the chemicals that we're marinating in now are going to affect us in 20 years. And so that's why it's really hard to go back and pinpoint and say, oh, it was fabric softener that I eat. We we just can't do that. It's hard to have that evidence. So that's that's why they're still getting away with it because we just don't have that close cause and effect relationship that shows the direct harm. But the harm is cumulative. It adds up and it builds. Yep. So, yeah, that's right. That's why it's called a chronic disease. It's not an acute disease. It's something that takes a very mm-hmm. long time to establish. And in that time, there could be many different factors that are contributing to that disease. But yeah, I do think it's worth taking some time now to be a little bit more mindful about our lifestyle and our practices and what we're eating and putting in our bodies so that we can experience, you know, not only a long lifespan, but a lot of health span and, and good health for a very, yeah. very long time. That's amazing. And there are zero downsides to cleaning it up. There are zero downsides to eating better and choosing higher quality products that are cleaner other than it might cost more than what you're used to. And it might be a little harder to find and you might have to spend more time cooking. But other than those trade-offs, there are no like negative health (laughs) problems that you're going to get from making better choices. Yeah. Only positives. Such a great point. I absolutely love that. Jen Stevens, this has been such an amazing conversation. I'm so glad you decided to write this book. I find it um, super helpful, really informative, and something that I'm going to keep around for a very long time to reference over time. I think it's really well done and very well written. Where can people go to find you and connect with you and your work? All right. Well, you can go to jenstevens.com. Jen is G-I-N, Stevens with the P-H, jenstevens.com. Um, the resources for Cleanish are at jenstevens.com slash cleanish. I also have a community. It's an intermittent fasting community, and it's um, you can get to it from jenstevens.com slash community. And I used to be on Facebook, and Facebook just got too big for me to manage. We <laughs> grew to almost half a million members. and. Wow. It's just too many. So I, I took my groups off of Facebook. I'm no longer on Facebook. I love Facebook completely. And so we're in a, a small community and it is the paid community, but it, the, the um, support is like no other. The people are great. And everyone just like, if, if I don't get to an answer, community's answered it and it's beautiful. Yeah, that's incredible. <laughs> that really is the power of, of you know, groups. And when you mm-hmm. get a bunch of people together, it really is wonderful to get everybody helping each other and really taking ownership in that and really helping each other out. It's so huge. I, yeah, absolutely. The problem with Facebook is we, you know, when you think you have, you know, 300, let's say one of my groups had 300,000 members, somebody would come along and give advice that was not in line with what we thought. Good point. Someone would wander in off the street, answer the question in a crazy way. And then we're like, no, please don't do that. That's not what we think. And then everybody's arguing. So, But the thing about a private community is everyone is there because they know my work and they agree with me or they wouldn't be there. So it's a place where everyone is very supportive and um, losing the 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 diet mentality losing the diet brain we like to call it getting peace around food and eating and you know making cleaner choices but without stressing ourselves out and just learning how to really work with our bodies and so that's that's what my community is all about that sounds amazing that sounds much better honestly <laughs> i love that so much better that's great no one ever argues it's amazing that's amazing wow and, and <laughs> facebook is pretty bad i would say twitter's a little bit worse but um facebook yeah. can get really bad i just shared a post not too long ago about something that i thought was going to be helpful for people and a whole bunch of people in the industry came in and started they just completely ruined the post and all of my clients Aww. were like well now i don't want to eat this way because it sounds like overly complicated and everybody's arguing about it it's like damn it like <laughs> we didn't need yeah. any of that <laughs> 
No, that's the thing. That's no fun. Yeah, totally. <laughs> anyway, well, thank you so very much for you and all of your work and for appearing on our show again today. We look forward to any future content that you come out and you always have an invite on our show. So thank you again so very much. Thank you so much. Absolutely. And this has been another episode of Balanced Body Radio. As always, thank you so very much for listening to Boundless Body Radio. It's really inspiring and amazing to see some of the reviews that we have been getting and also to receive so many messages and emails about how these episodes have improved our listeners' lives. And so thank you so very much. We are so happy to bring these episodes to you and provide them for free. And we really hope that they help you in your life. Uh, We have just passed two major milestones, which is absolutely mind-blowing to me. And basically, we did both of these in pretty much the exact same day. We have just passed 100,000 downloads worldwide of Boundless Body Radio, and we have just launched our 250th episode, which is absolutely amazing. Like I said, I never imagined we could reach that many people. We always want to keep you updated on things that we're doing on our website. So if you go to myboundlessbody.com, you can always see what we're up to. This month, we have a link that you can go and schedule a functional movement screen, which we do virtually over Zoom. A functional movement screen is a series of seven different movements and three different clearing tests, which is designed to find weak links in the body, such as muscle imbalances and joint stability issues. It's a really great tool for discovering inefficient movement. And even if you're not experiencing pain in certain areas of your body, it's something that can prevent injury later on. Some muscles need to be stretched, some need to be strengthened, and we can help you create a plan around that so that you can stay healthy and continue to move well for the rest of your life. So again, you can go and schedule that at myboundlessbody.com. You will also see the other services that we offer. You can always schedule a complimentary 30-minute consultation with us to really chat about anything that you like. And remember, if you are enjoying Boundless Body Radio, please take a minute, give us a rating or review on Apple. It really helps get this passion project out to other people. And thank you again for tuning into Boundless Body Radio.